This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours. And the jackpot on Ireland's easiest quiz just keeps going up and up and up. This morning on The Bottom Line, with lots of discussions around returning to the office and the whys and wherefores of lifting restrictions, we'll talk office air quality with Mary Therese McCormick of Air Nua, a company who specialise in ventilation strategies. We'll be hearing about the €10 million Euro contract landed by Bagnallstown company IAS Labs, which is literally groundbreaking in Europe when it comes to measuring carbon capture, an essential element in tackling climate change. We'll be hearing the shortlist for the Kilkenny Chamber Business Awards and Colin Duggan of County Carlow Chamber will be joining us to give us the reaction of Carlow Business to this week's budget. But first, speaking of the budget, I'm joined on the line by Alan Seary of O'Neill Foley to have a look back at the week in business, a week that was dominated indeed by the business, but uh, by the budget I should say. But before we get stuck into the detail of the budget, Alan, talk to us a bit about the global economic and business context that the government has to frame the budget in and like what what sort of stuff do they need to be keeping their eye on pretty volatile internationally good morning john yes um we live in interesting times as they say so i suppose a lot of developed countries now are coming out of covid and their economies are recovering rapidly and um, we've also seen a desire among central banks the leading central banks in the world um just to start uh to wind down the tapering, which is effectively printing money to support our economies through COVID. And that's what's um, led into low bi- interest rates for so long. That's correct, John, yes. Uh, that's what, So uh, low interest rates encourage people to make investment, to people to spend money and not to save money because if they save money in a lower interest rate environment or as we're beginning to see in a negative interest rate environment... And- their capital gets eroded, so mm. people would be more inclined to spend money or to invest money rather than retain it on deposit. And, and so of course, governments have been uh, have been borrowing big time as well. Yes, and Ireland is no exception to that. So in the last three years, um, we've run significant budget deficits, uh, deficits as a result of COVID, um, but our, our national debt now stands at a whopping €240 billion. Euro. Mm. Um, that's all fine until such time that the markets lose confidence in our ability to um, uh, manage our affairs properly and that uh, the markets are continuing to um, be confident that they can relent to, to Ireland as funds mature. Mm. And uh, there's and a couple of big issues on, on the international business environment. I was really amazed at some TV pictures the other night that just showed container ships stacked up off the coast of the United States, which really brought home to me the whole thing about the global supply chain, which impacts on economies. It does, John, yeah. I suppose what was interesting from um, uh, from those pictures from, say, the US uh, was that uh, Joe, President Joe Biden is now asking the ports and the supermarket people that are you know responsible for a lot of deliveries and delivery comes to themselves to begin operating on a 24-7 basis, and I suppose it begs the question, why weren't you doing that already? Yeah, I was um, quite surprised at that. Correct, yes. Yeah. So I, I, I think it will ease up, John. Um, like wait times in the US are up to between 7 and 12 days, whereas in Asia they're between 1 and 3 days. So 
if they bring more capacity along the lines of you know twenty four seven operation for the ports, I think that'll that'll uh, sort itself out. Um, it'll probably take um, well into next year for it to, uh, to do that. So if people are thinking of doing their Christmas shopping, they should probably do it earlier rather than later. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, that 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 does have an impact, I suppose, from a an economic point of view, I suppose there's a divergence here between what a, a classic economic textbook would say and what the reality is. So an economic textbook would say that if you run out of petrol, uh, the price of petrol will go up, whereas mm. if you run out of petrol now, it just, you just form a queue and wait for, <laughs> wait for your turn. So yeah. um, so there, there is, there, that, that was an interesting aside. Yeah. Um, but I think, it will, be short, I think it, it will sort itself out. Um, uh, and next year, hopefully, we'll see things come back to normal. Yeah, certainly. not to panic, uh, as we'd say, uh, if you were looking for petrol, don't panic, don't panic, uh, Captain oh, Mannering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the budget, kind of unusual. Um, there was a time when literally nearly the whole country would stop and hang on how much a pint was going to go up by, how much cigarettes were going to go up by. Uh, you were on with me during the week when we did the budget special uh, on the way it is. A lot of public... Um, a lot of public kind of disinterest in it, but it is important. What did you make of it, Alan? Um, yeah, I suppose I, I'd term it a kind of a late, late show budget. That there was something for everybody in the audience. Um, uh, at a macro level, that's probably slightly disappointing in the light of the budget deficit that we've had over the last few years. And, you know, we're needing to get our finances back in order, on track and very quickly. So hopefully, as we exit covid we get back to the norm of running a small budget surplus or at a minimum a very small budget deficit. Mm. Um, and we need to, I suppose, taper our expectations around that, uh, both on the spending side and on the tax side. Yeah, um, and, and from somebody like your point of view, individuals are worried about the amount of money uh, that they've got in their pockets or in their wallets or their purses or so on. You would be concerned about the national budget, what that does, and then that impacts on businesses. So if the if the government's finances go out of whack, it really impacts uh, on business. It does. I mean, just to put it in context, John, at the, at the moment, as I said earlier, our budget deficit is €240 billion. Euro. So a 1% interest charge on that is $2.4 billion. Wow. And when you consider, the, I suppose, the Ferrari over something like the National Hospital, that's, that's for National Hospitals or whatever price you want to put on it. So, you know, yeah. like it's, it's phenomenal money. So, in interest. Uh, in interest. So and that's with low interest point. rates. That's exactly the point, yeah. That's with low interest rates. So and go back to my earlier point that if, if the markets uh, review a country like Ireland or other countries with a large deficit and no real desire to get their spending under control or their deficit under control, um, uh, they just simply will stop lending to Ireland or, was, or at worst, at best rather, charge a high interest rate to do so. Mm. And high interest rates uh, then reduce the amount of income that can be spent on day-to-day activities in Ireland. Yeah. Listen, enough of the macro. Let's kind of talk about the micro aspects of the budget. Uh, I suppose the big budget measures have been, you know, billions have been spent on COVID supports and so on, uh, eagerly watched in the budget. It wasn't really a surprise, but just talk to us a bit about, you know, uh, the main personal and, and social welfare changes that will impact on working people and also on businesses. Yeah, I suppose so. The the main um, like all the social welfare benefits pretty much got a five euro increase per week. Um, the minimum wage was increased from ten euro twenty to ten euro fifty per hour, uh, which is which is welcome. Like you know, it's it, it, it's not a lot of money, and when you consider the level of social welfare support, I, I know that a lot of employers are finding it difficult to get people off social welfare and into employment. Right. Um, 
overall, the, I mean, there were some positive moves for our businesses, but, you know, we have to keep in mind that businesses have been generally very well supported during the COVID uh, period. Yeah. Um, uh, there have been some changes. So the most notable change or the most welcome change, I think, was the announcement that there won't be any cliff edge on the employment wage subsidy scheme for employers. So that that is a very beneficial scheme uh, to employers um, that have been affected by turnover. So in broad terms, for every employee that you have uh, and your turnover has gone down by 30% uh, now as compared to pre-COVID times, the employee gets a subsidy, or the employer rather gets a subsidy of up to three hundred fifty euro per week. And mm. um, so they've, they've they've said that if if, if businesses can qualify for that uh, in October, November, the rates will say this will say the same. What's an added benefit for employers is that the PSI rate, which is ordinarily up to eleven percent, is much reduced. Uh, so that will continue also. So f- from December to January. And uh, the 350 rate will go, and it will taper back down to uh, a maximum of 203 euro per person. Mm. Um, and then from March and April, by which time hopefully we'll be really looking at COVID in the rear view mirror, mm. uh, it will be down to 100 euro per week. Yeah. Per so month. no cliff edge. Talk to me a bit about the intriguingly titled uh, revenue warehousing. It kind of sounds like something Tony Soprano would be talking about, to be honest. But revenue warehousing, in particular for tax on directors salaries. Explain that to the uninitiated. Yeah, so at the start of COVID, John, uh, revenue came out as part of the government initiatives and said that if you have been affected by COVID and you have tax liabilities, uh, that you can warehouse those liabilities. Um, and that was that was essentially uh, revenue and the government saying, if you have tax liabilities, we're not going to come after you um, and we'll warehouse those debts. So what revenue asked for at the time was that the business would declare, A, that they were affected by COVID, and B, they would um, set out the liabilities that they wish to warehouse. Okay. So the benefit of that from uh, of a business point of view was twofold. One is that they, they got breathing space on their cash flow, which was very tight at the time, as you can imagine. And the second one was that the interest rates that uh, revenue would charge, ordinarily that could be up to 10% for taxes like payroll, taxes and VAT, uh, that would be reduced to zero. So uh, a lot of businesses have availed of that, um, and the zero rate will apply until 2023. And after that, then it'll it'll be three percent, which is still quite low compared to what banks would charge and what revenue ordinarily would charge. Mm. It was a technical matter uh, for director salaries, and the technicality arose from the fact that if a company did not pay the payroll taxes for a director who owned the company, so that'd be typically most owner-managed businesses. Yeah. The director himself, when he files his tax return in the next few weeks for, say, 2020, he will be personally responsible uh, for the tax arising. So what came out in the budget during the week was that um, uh, the, the revenue would disapply a particular provision in the legislation um, uh, for warehouse debt. So the directors will not now be responsible to pay that tax while it's warehoused. Yeah, so that was a, a kind of a, a a line in a budget that wouldn't mean a lot to the general populace, but probably meant an awful lot to a lot of directors. It did, and it'll mean an awful lot to them now over the next few weeks. You know, certainly um, accountants and tax advisors discussing 2020 tax returns with owner-managed businesses, that would have been otherwise a very difficult conversation to have, and that's mm. been removed now, so that's, so that's very welcome. Yeah. Uh, finally, and briefly, if you would, Alan, what happens next now uh, to all these incentives, changes, and, and so on? Or they just, you know, petrol went up from midnight on the day of the budget, but presumably it takes a bit longer for a lot of this stuff to be enacted. 
It will, John, yes. So the next step is for the first version of the finance bill to be published, and that would be uh, a document that people like me would read and go through with a fine two comb just to see uh, what other initiatives, initiatives are there. Um, and also, as well, just to see what um, what's called anti-avoidance provisions might come in. Um, they'd be typically revenue shutting down tax loopholes um, uh, that they perceive out there. Um, so we'd expect to see that in the next two to three weeks, and then there'll be a few iterations of that as it goes through the doll. And eventually, before Christmas, um, President Higgins will probably sign off the Finance Act and become law then New Year. Law from the New Year. Well, listen, Alan, thank you very much for talking us through those uh, those issues. Uh, you also always do so very clearly and in uh, easily understandable terms. Thanks very much. That's Alan Siri from O'Neill Foley Accountants. Um, we're going to move on and coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about who's made it to the shortlists in the Kilkenny Chamber Business Awards. And we'll also be talking to Colin Duggan from Carlow Chamber of Commerce. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. Just coming up to 20 and a half minutes after 9 o'clock. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock when Edward Hayden comes into the hot seat. Now, the Kilkenny Chamber Business Awards is a gala night and it's set to roll out again after a COVID-related suspension at the Lyrat State Hotel on Saturday the 20th of November and it'll be a great evening hosted by local lady Helen Carroll. It's sponsored by Clune Tech and the aim of the event is to showcase how strong and positive the business community is across the city and county and to recognise and award uh, outstanding businesses. There are 18 categories with three finalists in each category, all of whom face into the interview stage of the competition this coming week on Wednesday, October the 20th indeed. Now, Edwina Grace has the breakdown of those who've made the shortlist in the various categories and here she is. UPMC is leading the charge this year. It meets Optimise Recruitment and Mint Medispa by Pembroke in the investment and skills, training and development category, as well as ISE Forest and Garden and Lova.ie in technology and e-commerce excellence. While the UPMC Autoven Hospital is up against Callanan Couriers and the Springhill Court Hotel for the customer service excellence title. The Indie List gets the nod in two categories for the emerging new business that faces stylized clothing and Luke Parsons Hair Salon. And for social media and digital marketing excellence, competition comes from the New Park Hotel and Mountain View. CF Pharma are in the running for two as well. In the awards new section Best Business Pivot in the Pandemic, they meet Intersport and Laramat. While they're also listed for Employee of the Year alongside Optimise Recruitment and Goods of Kilkenny. Employer of the Year then is between Hibernian Hotel, Very and Lyratha State Hotel. Food and drink producer shortlistees are The Fig Tree, Aron and Elite Living Nutrition, Cake Kajoo Jewels, DFM Clothing Limited and Zoe Carl make the cut for craft and design. Leading the culture, heritage and tourism charge are Hawkeye Falconry, Shenanigans Walks and Roth House and Gardens. Environmental Excellence sees White Feather Ladies Wear and Holistic Shop Value Centre and Valley of Roses in the running. Exporter of the Year nominees are CR Payroll, Modu Build and Biddy's Good Luck Horseshoes. 
Family business is a staple of the local economy and the top three for this contest are Momentum Healthcare, Blush's Salon and Door Optometrists. Hospitality excellence too is high locally. Pennyfeather Restaurant, Hoban Hotel Kilkenny and Mount Juliet Estate will vie for this one. Innovation in business has been evident in particular at Clear Life, Lonet and Lawed. Retailer of the Year will go to Brett's Hardware Home Garden DIY or Fitzpatrick's Fruit and Veg or Lily Rose Boutique. While one of the following will be named Small Business of the Year, The Wine Buff, Rafter Dempsey's or Muse Coffee. Edwina Grace there giving you a rundown of the runners and riders, so to speak, in the Kilkenny Chamber Business Awards, which are coming up on the 20th of November. Speaking of chambers, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Colin Duggan, who's the president of County Carlow Chamber. Good morning, Colin. Good morning, John. How are you today? Very well. Listen, uh, I'm going to talk budget and your reaction to the budget and all that sort of stuff. But um, uh, Carlow Chamber, as well as Kilkenny Chamber, making a a welcome return to the real world and moving offline and having a a really big and bold event also in November, I think. Tell us about your awards and how they're getting on. Yeah, we have our business awards on the 11th of November. And uh, unlike uh, Kilkenny, we're going to be doing ours in three different venues and streaming live uh, to all three venues. Um, so uh, it'll be a challenge, especially for our presenters who are uh, our KCLR uh, um, <laughs> Indeed, oh, we'll uh, be there. Um, John will be leading the charge. Oh, hopefully. Um, and uh, we spent the last uh, 10, 15 days actually doing our judging and uh, crossing, our, uh, crossing our T's and uh, dotting our I's uh, uh, with, with the, 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 the whole process of uh, interviewing and presentation, which was yeah. really interesting. And indeed, we were talking to Leslie Codd last week, who's involved in a, in a former uh, Carlo Business of the Year award recipient but um, moving on from that we'll have lots more on the programme and on KCLR about both those awards um, Carlo and Kilkenny's talk to us about the budget Colin um, you know we talked about it before with uh, Alan Siri of O'Neill Foley what's your reaction you're, as well as being president of the chamber you're on the front line you're, you're in business you run the Woodford Dolman Hotel yeah. Um, all in all, the the, the support, the EWS support, is welcome, and I, I, I'm I'm delighted that that government has listened finally and actually put good communication in place here, allowing time for for the the, the EWS to, to to ebb away, and uh, that that won't be to, till uh, the the first quarter of um, 2022. Um, but saying that, uh, the flip side of it, and looking at, at my uh, the hospitality side, I, I don't understand why they would bring back the nine percent, the thirteen and a half percent VAT rate mm. in, in August. This is the uh, this is the issue where the yeah. tourism and hospitality laboured under, I suppose, for want of a better term, thirteen percent, and then it was down to yeah. nine. It, that was done few years back then they brought it back up to 13 and they put it down again to nine during covid and now they're saying they're going to put it back up yeah and and, and this this does no doesn't help uh, an industry that, that's trying to come back uh, to, back to the real world and um, we would have pre-sold to tour companies on the basis uh, of a nine percent fat rate Ah. Um, they're, we're committed to that. Okay, so you're uh, going to so, take so a hit then. We'll take a hit. Right, yeah. okay, yeah. So yeah. it's not and just that, a case of everybody rising up. You've already sold stuff on the basis of it being 9% next year. Because there is a long 
pipeline, I suppose. How, lo- how long do people book ahead typically in those kind of businesses? Tour companies would have started booking last year for for, uh, for next year. Mm. It, it, it starts as, as so early two as years that. ahead, really. Nearly two years ahead. Now, so we 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 we, we would commit uh, at that stage, and then uh, they would they, uh, we, they there's ad hoc bookings that'll come through uh, as we go through the year. But even for say for argument's sake, um, our wedding business uh, that we would have committed to to, to uh, pricing there. Um, right. Yeah. For accommodation, you know, and and, and that 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 that's uh, unfortunately um, they're going to do this in in August, where it would make more sense if you're going to do it, do it at the end of the year, not 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 say uh, two thirds of the year. Yeah, you know, it, the, the whole timing doesn't even make sense. Yeah, talk to us a bit about you know, there's a, there was supports also put in for the tourism industry, recognition that um, the, the the sector has been under pressure, notwithstanding your disagreement over the VAT. Mm. But more than 100 million put in for tourism and hospitality. Um, so Ireland is going to be marketing itself pretty strongly. Are you pleased with that? Delighted, yeah. yeah. Because Ireland Inc. is a very strong brand. Um, people see us as, as, as being... Um, uh, close to, to to Britain, but not Britain. Um, English speaking, and uh, we we've got uh, this this warm, friendly uh, uh, outlook uh, to, to life, and that's what the international uh, customer is looking for. Mm. Um, it, 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 the, the 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 branding and the marketing is, is important to get back out there. Don't forget. People have broken the habit of of, of uh, going on holiday. Yeah. They now have to reinvent that that idea again. Yeah, talk to us a bit about um, the whole thing of labour shortages. Uh, hospitality industry been mentioned particularly, but the minister mentioned the mobility. Uh, you know, many people who went on COVID supports for a number of months took the time to change business sectors, according to the minister. Is that something that, you know, your members are seeing on the ground? And how's Carlo business coping with, uh, you know, the whole yeah. HR aspects? Yeah, yeah, the minister's correct. Uh, the, 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 the challenges uh, uh, at the beginning, beginning of COVID meant that people did seek out uh, new employment and, and moved away from the sector. And, and at the time, it was, it's understandable. Um, so there, there is a labour gap in hospitality, but there also is a, a labour gap uh, appear, appearing in manufacturing as well. Um, uh, Carlo has a very strong um, engineering uh, uh, industry, and they're struggling uh, to, to get uh, their, uh, uh, to fill their vacancies. Yeah, and saw some um, great Carlo companies featured on uh, Nationwide last night on, on RT. Engineering particularly strong. They were talking about apprenticeships and so on. But it, it's mm. it's hard. The supply yeah. of 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 people coming through is critical for business. Yeah, yeah, and the, the reality is, we're probably going to have to 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 look abroad to 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 restock. Um, uh, our, our our teams, you know, um, and then the the, the, the challenge of of us also living in Ireland. So, so accommodation is is the next challenge after after that. Yeah, um, we we hear a lot about housing, and and housing was put up as one of the top three uh, priorities by the government, along with um, you know the health of the nation and uh, and so on, and the environment. But, um, you know, we normally hear about it from the human point of view, but there's a very strong business rationale for getting the whole housing uh, story right. Talk to us about that. 
Yeah, like basically, if uh, if we were to bring uh, more people in, in, in into Ireland uh, to to work, we have to find somewhere somewhere for them to live, and there isn't not enough uh, even uh, apartment stock I- I- in Ireland. But what we do have is 180,000 vacant houses, mm. um, which uh, aim to uh, in, in, with their, 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 their had mentioned earlier in the week, um, which I, I, I think is, is is an opportunity that, that, that seems to be no has been missed by the government, uh, and they don't seem to be promote the idea or even uh, give, give more uh, more money towards retrofitting to bring these back in, 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 in into the, the rentals uh, stock. You know, we also have uh, our, our town centres. We, we they need to be re- revitalised, and the opportunity there is to make to bring people back to the, the town centres to live. Mm. And I, I was disappointed not to see that in, in, in this budget. Mm. Um, uh, Darrell Breen made made a lot of his um, his uh, town centre first uh, program that hasn't been launched yet. Yeah, and no detail. I've been amazed to see, um, you were telling me just before we came on air about the number of students in Carlow, which, like you're talking, thousands of them. I kind of assumed that most of them were living in digs, flats, houses, apartments, and so on, like most of them. But that's not the case. It's not, no. Um, uh, There's 9,000 people uh, going going to college in Carlow, whether it's a part-time or full-time course. Of those, only 25% live in Carlow. The rest are commuting. Wow! You know, and if we were to grow uh, Carlow as a university town, which thankfully uh, we, we should see on, in, in, on the twenty second of January uh, next year, mm. and we, we need to flourish. And we to flourish, you're going to look for international students to uh, to come to Carlow as well uh, as our domestic uh, students. Yeah. So big issues there, uh, mm. really, um, and, and the importance of getting housing right both from a human rights point of view and a quality of life for people and, and, and you know, their entitlement mm. to live somewhere, but also a compelling business argument. But overall, how are businesses feeling after the budget? You have a budget um, briefing coming up uh, later this week, I understand. Yeah, we had, uh, we actually we had it on, on Wednesday. And the, 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 basically, uh, the, the, the sense uh, from our members is quite positive. Um, business has been quite, quite good it's, uh, uh, over the last couple of months. There is still, uh, um, I would say, a hesitancy to, to, to spend on big, uh, big price items. But the opportunity is there um, for our businesses to, to flourish. And that idea of, of shopping local, which I, I have to congratulate KCLR promoting uh, on, on, on nearly every show, um, is, is there. People want to support local. There's great um, understanding of that now. Of course, the L in KCLR stands for local, and we've been there banging that drum for a long time. But people are kind of seeing the importance of it to their own lifestyles and their own pockets. Yeah, yeah. Like even today in, uh, in Carlo, we, we 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 to walk around this uh, 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 the potato market where the uh, the uh, the market would be today. Mm. You see a, a fantastic vitality there, you know. And then uh, the, the 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 streets, the the, the streets surrounding the uh, the market are, are quite busy throughout. Yeah, and the the relationship between business, community, quality of life has never been more apparent, really. Totally, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then the, the idea of remote working, uh, 
especially for 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 Carlo, could really appeal uh, because uh, rather than go to Dublin every day, it might it might be that it's, it's just three or four days a week and one day at home. That I think uh, really is a game changer uh, for for uh, uh, our, our locals here in Carlo. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, um, great talking to you as always, Colin. And uh, you'd be saying to people to keep an eye on uh, County Carlo Chambers website for details about your forthcoming awards and of course all the events and stuff yeah, that you absolutely. run. And you can buy the tickets there on on the website as well for, to, to go to, to, to a fantastic event. Yeah, thanks very much. Colin, good to talk thanks to you John. as always. Uh, that's Colin Duggan, President of Car- County Carlow Chamber of Commerce. At the heart of it all. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock here on the bottom line, the programme for and about business. Now, with the advent of COVID and the resulting pandemic, public awareness of the spread of airborne infections has never been higher. It's got huge ramifications, of course, for business. Air Nua is an Irish company which, as the name suggests, specialises in working with companies to ensure that they are operating in clean air and Air Nua also provide a range of solutions to ensure circulation of air and eliminate of viruses. Earlier this week, I spoke with uh, founder and managing director Mary Therese McCormack of Air Nua, and I started by asking her to tell us about airborne infections and why clean air matters in offices and workspaces. Yeah, I suppose if you look at originally when we COVID-19 um, started off, everybody thought about, you know, a touch and we all started wearing masks and we were all washing our hands and using hand sanitizer. It wasn't until really June of this year that the WHO announced that, you know, this virus is an airborne virus. It's transmitted in, in the air that we all breathe every day. So that's what we looked into. We looked into the research that was done by um, Signify together with the National Emerging Infectious Disease Laboratory. And they conducted a number of different um, research into the effectiveness of UBC light sources in inactivating the SARS-CoV-2 virus, for example. And they proved to be 99% effective. So that was why we took a lot of that research and we designed and manufactured our own products based on their science. And so, basically, if I'm understanding you correctly, your technology is aimed at capturing um, viruses that may be uh, circulating in the air, airborne viruses, presumably not just COVID, and neutralising them. Tell them. Tell us how you do that. Correct, yeah. So, we have a multiple-stage filtration system and then followed on by UV sterilisation um, chamber. So, we take all the particles in, at what's called the breathing zone, like your, your breathing height. We, we process it all through the, the, the triple stage filtration. And basically we take all the particulates greater than one micrometer out, therefore exposing the actual, you know, the virus or the pathogen or the pollutant to the actual UVC light. What's unique about our product is we hold that air for a set period of time to make sure it gets the correct dosage of UVC light to kill it or render it inactive. And then we obviously process back sterilised air into that occupied space. And talk to us just in general, leaving COVID out of it. How important about how important is the air quality that we breathe in offices, and, and what are the kind of rights and wrongs of it, for want of a better phrase? Well, if you look back, right, the CDC, which is the, the Centre for Disease Control, between uh, October the first last year and the fourth of April this year. They said about between 39,000, uh, sorry, 39 million and 56 million flu illnesses throughout the world. They had 18 million to 26 million 
you know, medical vaccination of flu, and they had nearly a billion hospitalizations from the flu. You know, so you think about that, it's all to do with the air you breathe. So if you're in an office space, you know, and you're stopping, the, you're cleaning the air and processing the air, and you're getting rid of virus, such as the flu virus from it, you're looking at reducing your downtime due to illness. You'd have more people, obviously, in the office space itself. Like that, you get better productivity out of them if you've got more fresh air circulating into an area because obviously CO2 is known from being, you know, we all lose our concentration, we all become quite lethargic. So the benefits of having clean air are huge. I think the WHO said it will actually reduce the death rate by 15% airborne particle death rate. It's 630,000 people per year. Wow. Uh, and of course, uh, the uh, advice and the encouragement has been for people in offices to keep windows open and keep fresh air circulating. Not always an option in modern office buildings. Tell us about your product, so. So our product does work um, with you ex- have them both mechanical and natural. Uh, so even look at any office space, they, they generally say you need six air changes per hour for an office space, up to 12, 15 for a welfare facility. But every office space or every space still needs natural fresh air because CO2 is, is what we're actually all expelling. Nothing will kill CO2, you have to dilute it. So, you know, say for example, if you had an office space and you had even your windows open minutely, even your vent on the window open, that could generate the equivalent of two or two and a half air changes per hour. Then our appliance would only have to supplement that with, you know, four air changes per hour, which means it would process a large volume of air or, or air in a larger room. So the, the whole key to it all is knowing that you still need fresh air into an area and then obviously to sterilise the area then let's get rid of other pathogens, COVID-2, flu virus or whatever on top of it all. Yeah, so as I understand it, six times the air in, a, in, a, in an area should be changed six times per hour and up to 15 in a welfare area. Um, that's quite a tall order. So tell us, I, I can't envisage... Uh, your machine is it like air conditioning is a, sh- a unit you mount on the wall what way does it work so the unit is mobile and freestanding so it's actually on casters and it's only like a plug and play solution um, so basically you can take it from area to area room to room depending on the usage then you would recommend say if you had a, an office space and it was continuously being occupied throughout the day you would leave one of these units because ours is a continuous air delivery system so it's continuously on it's continuously sterilizing the air it's not just a moment in time which you'll find from other solutions ours will continue to be on but say for example you know you just want to go into a boardroom for a short period of time you might wheel in this device um, you know two hours before you have the meeting and leave it in there two hours after the meeting to sterilize the air so the next person comes in obviously it's still clean sterilized air on it mm. we have two devices at the moment so we have what's the near new 100 series which passes between 100 to 150 meters cubed of air per hour and we have a 500 um, series unit which passes between 500 and 700 meters cubed per hour now in looking at size wise you probably call you know like smaller units um, a press type one maybe 1.2 meters high 600 by 600 width and depth and then the other unit is more like uh, if you have anything machine it's 2 metres high and that's what processes the larger volume of air and I said to you the reason our unit is probably maybe a lot bigger than you find in your shoebox type unit you'll find your desk that, that, that says it prospects volume of air ours is unique in the fact that it actually holds the air for a period of time and that's why our triple stage filtration system and sterilization system is quite important mm. we have to hold the air for a, pro- a period of time to render it inactive and we've had we've been working with Munster Technology University uh, in Cork on this and they've tested our product for us and verified that we are getting the correct flow rate 
the correct dosage and well time to, to render the virus inactive. Yeah, uh, and presumably business must be very good. Are, are companies very aware of the whole importance of air cleansing and trying to kill the virus as much as possible? Not at all, no. A lot of them actually aren't aware of it. And, and I suppose maybe some of it's down to it's a lack of education um, that no one's made aware. Everything that the, the issue we're dealing with now is COVID-related. And they all see the economy trying to open up again and the fact that we can go back into restaurants or cinemas, what have you. But this is a long-term approach that we're looking at. It's clean air as a service, you know, continuously in the environment. I mean, there's a lot of, um, I, I went reading some of the ventilation strategy assessments in a number of buildings, and they have done everything in their power base. I want the guidance they've given them from the government in relation to social distancing, um, hand sanitizing, you know, all the, all the screens and everything. But they're, I suppose they're waiting on direction from the government or the government bodies or, or even regulators to tell them what should the air quality be. As recently as actually this week, the WHO now have issued new regulations in relation to particular matter counts, and they're reducing it down to a certain level to monitor the particular matter inside in offices and spaces. Uh, You know, so it's getting the guidance from the likes of WHO, from the likes of the, the CDC, and, you know, implementing it. So, the shape of things to come. Mary Therese McCormick, Managing Director and Co-Founder of Air Nua, thanks very much for joining us this morning on The Bottom thanks Line. For, thanks for having us, John. Thank you. Uh, good to chat uh, there with Mary uh, Therese, and uh, you know, I think that's going to be a huge issue in the coming years, air quality in offices. Now, uh, last week I was delighted to see a really good news story with the announcement that IAS Laboratories are partnering in a €10 million Euro government contract in IAS Laboratories are, of course, based in uh, Bagnallstown in County Carlow. And joining me on the line is Owen O'Brien, who's Sales and Marketing Specialist with IAS Laboratories. Good morning, Owen. Good news for IAS. Good morning, John. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic news for IAS Laboratories, um, a local Carlow company. Um, we are lucky enough to be um, awarded the, the new... Um, the new contract for from the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. Yeah, now I said in my introduction at the top of the show that it was groundbreaking, and <laughs> and I'm actually correct. Um, it is groundbreaking. Tell us what it involves. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 what it involves is um, it's um, it's a soil sampling program, pilot soil sampling program for the entire country, and that the Department of Agriculture are running out. Um, so it's it's um, it's it's to provide in-depth details and analysis, I suppose, on about the soil and the soil health and the soil condition from a farming point of view, uh, which can be used for management of the soil and for fertilizer programs uh, to maximise the efficiency, etc. Um, but it also gives us I suppose a full in-depth analysis on, on micro and macro nutrients um, soil carbon and microbiology analysis yeah so it's, and it's uh, kind of European uh, you're, you're breaking new ground uh, I'm on a rich vein of puns here but you're kind of breaking new ground with this um, for for Europe because I think uh, you're kind of trailblazers yeah, it's certainly it's certainly the, the first time a project of this um, undertaking has been taken on in Ireland, and as far as we're aware, the, the one is the first in Europe as well. So yeah, it is it's groundbreaking in that respect, absolutely. Yeah, and you're partnering partnering with two other companies. Uh, tell us who those companies are. That's right. Yeah, we're partnering with um, NRM um, and Farmi. So NRM are I suppose a UK-based laboratory, um, one of the biggest soil laboratories in Europe. 
um, and a firm I are um, a tech agri tech uh, company based in Roscommon. Um, so uh, the three the three companies together, I suppose, make up the consortium and have great um, attributes to, to to bring to the table to make this project happen. Yep. Yeah, well, interesting times for IAS Laboratories in Bagnellstown. Stay with us, on. We'll be back after the break uh, to discuss what else is going on with IAS Laboratories. The bottom line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.omf.ie. The heart of it all. KCLR. KCLR indeed. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. We're just coming up to six minutes away from 10, so not much time to talk to Owen O'Brien, who's sales and marketing specialist with IAS Laboratories, who, of course, recently uh, announced a partnership on a 10 million uh, government contract all about soil sampling. Owen, um, you're not a, a new company by any means. IAS Laboratories established about 30 years ago. Tell us about your business journey up to this point. That's right, John. Yeah, so I suppose IAS Laboratories was originally part of the research and development wing of Irish Sugar um, based in Carlo um, and has, I suppose, has developed and evolved and innovated um, over the years. Um, and we're now, I suppose, one of the leading agriculture and environmental laboratories based in Ireland. Um, so we, you know, specialise in all agricultural testing, including forage, feed, um, silage, um, and the environmental side of things. And we also do all the water, surface waters, drinking waters um, for for um, for analysis. So yeah. yeah, we've evolved over the years. Because managing all that stuff is kind of essential for people uh, managing productivity, um, environmental compliance, and all that sort of stuff. It must be good business environment uh, for you. Absolutely, yeah, it is, John. Absolutely, we have a, a good business environment and we have a great team, I suppose, in IAS. The, the staff and the team that we have currently are, are fantastic um, and that's one thing we're trying to add to at the moment. Uh, we're currently recruiting, as well as especially on the back of the new project. Um, we're currently actively recruiting for um, a number of key positions in the lab, um, including microbiology, lab laboratory technicians, um, administration. So there's a few key roles there um, for anyone in the area that would be interested in looking at um, joining a, a, a an innovative company that's 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 going places yeah yeah and so this uh, announcement by the minister of this contract um very good news for you and you must be optimistic this is a a pilot but uh, it would seem to me that there's a good likelihood of more business of this type into the future Absolutely, yeah. So this this was this is a pilot that was announced in the in the budget last year, um, and it's only uh, materialising now. And uh, in the budget last week, I think there was a, another fund um, allocated for a continuation of analysis and soil sampling. So hopefully, um, all things going well, um, that that will be happening, and um, the tender process will be will be uh, will be um, alive again. So. Absolutely. Well, l- listen on. Thanks very much, and best of luck to everybody. Uh, uh, in IAS Laboratories thanks, in Town. Yeah, thank you, Owen. That's uh, Owen O'Brien there talking about his groundbreaking uh, new project that they've got underway with IAS Laboratories. That's about all we've got time for this week.
week on The Bottom Line. If you have any comments or ideas, you can email us, The Bottom Line at kclor96fm.com, or you can listen back to this show or any episode of The Bottom Line. Just search for The Bottom Line on KCLR on the Apple Store, Google Play, or Spotify. Or, of course, you can get it on the fantastic KCLR app. Thanks to all our guests this week, Alan Seary, Colin Duggan, Mary-Therese McCormick, and Owen O'Brien. And thanks to Edwina Grace for reporting for us on the Kilkenny Chamber Business Awards. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produces the show and makes sure we keep ploughing fresh ground every week. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next Saturday just after the 9 o'clock news. But until then, take care of yourself. Stay tuned to Casey Law. Stay safe and most of all, keep the faith. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie